0: You're listening
1: to the Hardcourt Honeys Podcast, starring your hosts, the snarky, the sassy, and the pretty, Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson, the all-knowing, the all-wise, Shay Vassar, and the man in the middle, Mr. TJ. And here's the show.
2: Hey, honeys! What up, honks? Got a new episode of Hardcourt Honeys Soaring in from the free throw line. Uh, the next few days we'll be pretty crazy with. We got the draft coming up on Wednesday. But then right after we're swinging right into the free agency offseason time. So Jade, how are you prepping yourself to be there for all this breaking news?
0: Uh, I'm just making sure I'm following the right things. And you put all our questions together. So like I'm busy with other stuff right now. So I'm relying on you quite a bit. Not going to lie.
2: Good thing I have so much free time now. Shay, is this going to be an off-season time to remember, or are we just amping this up too much?
3: I mean, we definitely are getting a lot of good stuff in a short amount of time, so the off-season will at least be remembered for the fact it's so short and so much happened within, like, every couple of weeks. We're just getting news after news after—I'm loving it.
2: I am loving it, too. And so before we start off today, uh, we have a returning guest with Parker Amesworth. How's it going today?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's going, and I guess that's better than not going, huh?
2: Yeah, your Rockets <laughs> team has taken over today's episode, so we need to hear your takes with that. So how are you
1: keeping your ear to the NBA offseason pulse? I mean, obviously just like a lot of Twitter and um you know, with the Rockets in particular, I've, like, followed a handful of people I trust information on and opinions on for a while, whether it be on The Athletic or, you know, local reporters or people with what whatever publication you want to go with. But uh, just, you know, because it's my team this time around, which is its own weirdness, um, it's interesting to follow, like, the folks I've followed for a while, like Kelly Ico, is now, like, at the centerpiece of, like, national news, which is weird. But um, just Got to have trust in the people you follow and make sure they're doing the right thing. Before
2: we get fully started in today's episode and start breaking some NBA stuff, Parker, do you have some stuff to plug today?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously I've been writing with Billy up for a little bit now, so you can find my stuff on the website, um, BillySports.com. And then you can check out myself and Shaka grading things. I'm sure we'll be talking the NBA in our uh, most recent episode when this when this airs, but we'll be talking about the NBA, NFL, whatever sports is going on on FN Sports, the podcast uh, where the two teachers shock and I grade sports big issues of the week. Um, and I'm sure next week Houston will strike as an issue. So <laughs> we'll talk more then too. that rocket might blow up in the atmosphere. <laughs>
2: Okay, so this week's episode was originally going to be an in-depth look at the draft, but considering there's been so much news with the player movements and rumors, that also both happen to be in Texas. But don't worry, we'll cover the draft since that does happen this Wednesday. But this player movement rumors, these are some big names coming in. But with the draft stuff, I do have some questions about my Wolves with the first pick. I'm going to try my hardest to shut up with it today because I want to hear you guys with your takes. And then the crazy good Warriors having the second pick, what can they do with it? And I just want to hear everyone's take on what
1: those teams should do. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
2: We'll start off with uh, the Rockets today because we got Parker here. So we'll s- throw the question at you. So you heard Russ requested a trade. Do you believe that, first of all?
1: Um, it's interesting because it came from people I do believe, right? in like Shams and Ico did the athletic report and – Rousey's commented on it. Mark Stein's kind of like very credible sources. I would say that it's interesting that every indication, including Russ commenting on a Stephen A. Smith video, indicates that he and Harden are very much still friends. It just sounds like there may be some uh, basketball fits that aren't working in his favor. I would understand if he's been the best basketball player on most every team, with the exception of a couple of those Kevin Durant teams he's ever played on his entire life. If he wants to be the floor general and be the best player on a team, I'm sure that's a weird adjustment. I don't so, know what he thought he was signing up for, but that would be a weird adjustment, I guess.
2: So he's not really working with the Rockets. Where could you
1: see him fitting best, then? Well, and I, I think that depends on what he wants, because the indication is that in leaving Houston, again, if if we're believing what Ico and Shams, er, Shams and the Athletic are reporting, we're believing that he wants to be, like, the general of the team, like, have the offense run through him. And I don't mean to be pessimistic. He's had a great career, but those teams aren't necessarily title contending teams anymore, right? Like they would have been in 2015. So if you look at those kinds of teams, it's like he could be the best player in New York, Charlotte, Indiana, Detroit. Like he could go be the best player in several of those teams. But I sit here and wonder why you'd want to go play for those teams when you could, you know, be on a top four team in the West as you are. But if that's what he wants, it's, it's, his, it's his career at this point. And if he wants to go be the man man thinks he can do it, that's what he should do, right? Jade, which team do you
2: think should be throwing an offer out for Russ right now?
0: So, I've been trying to think about this for, like, since you gave us the questions, like, a couple days ago. And nobody jumps out to me as, like, a really good fit for kind of all the boxes that need to be ticked. Because, like Parker said, he doesn't have a ring, so it it feels like that is probably going to be high on his wish list, is to be on a team that's contending Whether that's East or West, I don't know if that matters, but I don't know that there's a team that is legitimately in contention that can use him or that he would necessarily fit on. Part of that to me is because a lot of the contending teams are in flux right now, so it's hard to know what they need at all, because last season they changed a bunch of pieces and it didn't work, and now they're trying to change a bunch of pieces again in hopes that it'll work. So... There's just not the continuity on some of those teams to know if he's going to be a good fit. And the teams that do have continuity, I don't think need him. So I'm really interested to see how it all shakes out because right now, anywhere he ends up is going to be weird, I think. Like it's it's going to be like Russell Westbrook plays for wherever. And it's going to be like, like OK, I, I mean, I guess that's what's happening, you know. So then
2: Shay will get you involved with this since you've been been keeping you quiet. Uh, if they trade Russell, should then Houston trade Harden?
3: I mean, I know that that's not what Houston fans want, and I don't really know why you'd get rid of both of them. I mean, I don't know. That's such a hard thing because I don't I don't really think I know what the hope for the two of them being together was, and ultimately. And now that you're having a whole new you know front office coach being brought in, you we might never know what the hope with these two guys playing together. You know, they're friends. Uh, but other than that, like I don't really know what the goal was for the two of them. So if you get rid of one, you might not need to get rid of the other unless uh, there really is a necessity to get rid of, of Harden. I don't think Houston... Fans in general would be excited for that because, you know, that's that's their guy. Some of the rhetoric I'm seeing is as an OKC fan who, you know, when we lost Russ was really sad and a lot of Houston fans were, uh, you know, all of a sudden very pro-Russ. And then now I've seen a mixed review of of Russ being being uh kind of the one wanting out or rumored to be wanting out. So uh, it's just like an interesting conversation. And as someone who really loves the drama aspect of the NBA, oh, I am like loving this. I love the rumors. I love the speculations. I love like the ideas that people have where they're like, um, well, well, Russ and Ibaka should both somehow get traded to Brooklyn so that, you know, there's some of that OKC team that's brought back together. I'm like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've heard. But if it did happen, I would love to see it go down in flames. So, you know, as someone who loves drama, I'm like ready for whatever happens.
1: I saw Jay Williams said, he was saying that Brooklyn ought to trade for if Russ goes to LA, because that was a rumor trade earlier this week. And it was like, if Brooklyn... Could go get Harden and Ibaka and have like basically have that clip have that Thunder team, but replace uh, Russ with Kyrie. And I was like, that's gonna be the first team to ever make the playoffs with zero assists per game. Like those, <laughs> that would be that would be four te- four guys. I guess Ibaka catches and shoots some from the perimeter. But that'd be four guys that don't need assists at all. That'd be right. four isolation type players. But I I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. I would hope and this is entirely like I got Houston goggles on completely, right? But Steven Silas is one of two black coaches hired in the NBA in this offseason. That was kind of a big talking point. It's like we kept seeing like Steve Nash get a job. And I love Steve Nash, but like he had never coached before. How'd he get that job? And like stuff like that all over the place. If you're gonna like bring in a guy like Silas and bring in a guy like Doc, those are the two black coaches hired, they're both put into teams where the pieces didn't match and now you're gonna blow up one of their teams in the first place like that's not setting up those guys for success either. I would hope there are some NBA fans out there that see like, we probably ought to give Silas a chance because all indications are was that he was running a very strong offensive. Carlisle is the defensive mastermind in Dallas that, you know, Silas is on the offensive end of setting up a lot of the Luka development stuff. Obviously, I've done my own research on Silas because I was like, who the heck is this guy? He's an assistant coach coming in to coach my Houston Rockets, but he seems to have a pretty good pedigree. And it'd be a shame if he had just some team of scrubs trying to rebuild all of a sudden
0: yeah I was thinking about that too because in thinking about these questions of trying to figure out where are people going to fit it's like the win now thing that seems to have taken over the NBA in the last couple of years is not conducive to winning on purpose like I feel like when these teams throw together these teams that are win now teams some of them are going to work once in a while it's going to work but it's not a strategy it's a crapshoot. And then it doesn't work. And then you decide, oh, well, it didn't work for one season. Let's try it again. And you're starting from zero again next season. And then, oh, it didn't work. Like, I don't understand where all of a sudden this idea that you build a roster over time is no longer a thing for a handful of, like, contending teams. They expect to just throw together a bunch of people And expect it to work. And if it doesn't work, it's like, oh, shit, let's try something else different next season.
2: So then, Jade, do you expect Houston, though, to blow it all up?
0: Houston is one of those organizations that I'm always just kind of like, what are they doing? Like, why do they think this is going to work? I don't understand what the rationale is. And so seeing it through that kind of perspective, I think they should blow it up and rebuild and trade James Harden, but I don't think they're going to.
2: It's going to be a hard pill to swallow for the Houston Rockets, considering they've been so good for the past few years, and just like that, it's like, oh, we really dropped the bomb, literally, on that
0: one. So, like, they've been good, but I don't think they've been as good as people say they are. Like, every time I hear that, I, I see the odds for Houston and the finals. I'm just like, why are they that high? I don't I don't understand. Like, I have all of these reasons why I would never list them that high. And then it happens year after year. So, I, I, mean, I just I think... think
1: I think a lot of that stems from that they've got one guy that's been in the top three for MVP voting for the last five years. And, like, in the NBA, we've seen, like, sometimes you just put money on that guy because he has a special playoff run. It hasn't quite happened. But, like, I think that's why their Vegas odds are always high, right? They have one of the best five players in the league. Like you're gonna, and two of the best five play in LA together. Like, like that's he's top three in MVP voting for the last five years. Put money, he's not in the top of the Vegas odds, but he's gonna be in the top few.
0: See, and I look at accolades like that, and I say, sure, they're an interesting part of the picture, but the intangibles and the teamwork and the other stuff that goes into it that don't get into those conversations. Those are the reasons that I always go Houston. Yeah, whatevs. Like, I know they have the stats. I know Harden's got all well, the scoring. I, I get all of that. But when I look at the bigger picture, I see a, a a puzzle that does not fit together.
1: But, they, I mean, they also are still riding high from 2018 when, you know, they're, the, the big three that year for them were Harden, Capella, and Paul. The three of them, including playoffs, when they all started the game healthy, were, like, 55-7. and seven, And that's on track for, like, a 70—like, if you put that over 82 games, it'd be, like, 75 wins. Um, and I mean, the truth is that team was incredible. That was like the peak moment for a lot of guys that just didn't quite coalesce. And then Paul snaps his hand Like it all looked like it was working until when the guys went down. The truth is that team was very thin. They weren't deep. They couldn't replace the Paul hole. And then they won over for 27 for a stretch of the game seven and lost the game by nine. Like they lost to one of the best basketball teams of all time by nine points without their second best player. Like, but that was they- a really strong team.
0: They still lost. It was three years ago. It, it this is not horseshoes. Close does not count.
1: No, but I just like I think that's why they're always in the top is because it's 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 still you're still riding those. It's it was 30 months ago. That wasn't even a full three years ago.
0: In the NBA though, it might as well have been 10 years ago. The way the NBA changes now.
1: Right, but I, I think the deal was is you still had more. You still had Harden. Uh, you you still like you still had aspects of you still had D'Antoni. Like you still had a lot of those same role players, albeit you swapped out Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook and all, all that. Um, I I think that I understand why they're a Vegas like top five team every you know every last few years. I they're also the only team that made the playoffs the last eight consecutive years, right? They're also you know a team that made the Western Conference Finals two out of three years first or two, yeah two out of three years their first stretch and like they're not a bad team. They're a top in team. They're like the Jazz of the 90s, right? They're like. They're just not quite there. They just don't quite get over the hump.
0: I don't think it's that they have a hump to get over. I I see Houston as, like, the gimmick team of the NBA. Maybe not now that they're changing things, but over the past few years, like, what they do is just different enough that they're going to be able to beat the majority of teams. But it doesn't feel like a strategy that can hold up against the top, top tier teams, especially in the West. No matter how close they come, I don't think what they have been doing is ever going to get there.
1: People that get lumped in the same space as him are the people, like, they say Durant's the same way, right? And Durant is, like, way too active in Twitter with bots and has burner accounts. They lump him in with guys that are all up in Instagram comments and stuff like that. They lump him in, like, but that's not really him either. I think it's interesting that Maury seemed to always think that that because he's a quiet guy, the alpha male like the Paul... Or the Russ or the whoever was the right pairing, and I think the evidence is that it's not. Um, I I also appreciate that Shea points out to now. I don't feel like so much of a homer. How many guys can be in second place in the MVP voting in 2015 and like be progressively better each season since as they get towards 31s? Like he is very very talented. I just don't think that he's been paired with guys that work well with him. And it's interesting because I think those guys look alike. And it seems to be that they have common critiques outside of when they're in Houston, but it's falling on him because like the Venn diagram circles match up with him in the middle. Right. And so it historically is an interesting thing that it's like happening to my team. And so I've like watched it closely now, but like, I don't know that like, would we look at the way Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and the Lob City guys got together and be like, oh, no, they get along great. Like, that was a good – like, Chris Paul is a good teammate to those guys. Like, those guys kind of thought he was an asshole because that happened with James Harden and Dwight Howard. Have Like, the people in Atlanta and Orlando, like, he got standing Van Gundy right out of that job. Like, just Dwight Howard an asshole or James Harden an asshole? And, like, all those things tend to, like, coalesce around Harden.
0: I don't think Harden is um, – deserves to be in – the same group as some of those guys for the reasons that he is. I think lacking leadership and being too much on Twitter, I think those are separate issues. When I see Harden, I just think there's a disconnect between, okay, he's going to be doing all the scoring, he's going to be the leader on the floor, but he does not have a leadership personality. And I think those two things are never going to work together for him. I think... If he's going to get a ring, if, if if that's really what he wants, like, I have a friend who's been like, Harden doesn't give a shit about a ring. He wants to make lots of money and take care of his mama. And he came up and that's good enough for him. And I wonder if there's some truth to that. But hypothetically, if a ring is what he wants, I think he needs to fundamentally change the way he looks at basketball. Because you can talk about he's so good. You talk about Harden is so good. Harden has been better every year. Harden, Harden, Harden. You talk about LeBron James, you automatically think, yeah, LeBron James is the shit, but he makes everyone around him better. And that's why he's successful. Harden doesn't do that.
2: Harden reminds me of, like, someone playing the 2K my player mode where, like, stats look great. But then when you look at the rest of the team, like, when I play 2K, like, my, my creative player is going to get a triple-double. And have 52 points. And then I look at the rest of my team. The next person has 12 points.
0: Exactly. I did a deep dive on this for an article I wrote last year. And you want to know the difference between James Harden and his playoff teams compared to teams that have won championships in the last 10 years. It's the difference between the top scorer and the next scorer. Nobody has that kind of difference that Harden's teams have had between his scoring and the number two scorer on the team. They're all small windows between top scorers on championship teams and the number two guy. When everything is so centered on him, he is like his offenses have been the easiest to break for playoff teams through seven games. I shouldn't say easiest to execute, but it's an easy strategy to figure out. It's going to be through Harden. As soon as you have to force everybody else to make the buckets because Harden is – he's not even that much less efficient in the playoffs because I did that that too. And he is surprisingly has very, very little drop-off between yes. his numbers in the regular season and the playoffs. But you have to have the team aspect of it. And you have to – you're number one person when they're going to be getting all the attention – I feel like needs to be able to find other ways to do things, and I feel like his game, as prolific as a scorer as he is, is a bit in a box that he doesn't have imagination or desire or or whatever it is to adjust.
1: I'm gonna let Shay talk, but I got thoughts on the roster too because there was something that struck me about the athletic article the other day. And I was like, what are you looking at? But anyway, Shay's got thoughts I think too.
3: I mean, because my biggest thing is like. Yes, I know. I, I know that, like, Harden, his his second player, the second person scoring all of that, that's, like, a thing. But what team is equally, like, what's a good example of a team that the first and second player or everyone does every, kind of look good?
0: Every team that's won a championship in the last 10 years for the playoffs, the leading scorer has been an average of about five points a game more than the second highest scorer on the team. For okay. Houston, it's like eight to ten points. It's a much bigger gap.
3: Okay. No, because that's where I was curious because, you know, I I mean, we we t- have talked before about some of the teams that we really admire um, just being like all around teams. And I immediately think of like uh, the Heat. You know, um, Denver, give or take sometimes, you know, those are teams that you can swap out some of the players. Uh, Dallas as well. You know, some of those players are are kind of interchangeable when it comes to certain amount of stats um, during the game. Again, give or take. I mean, there's the superstars that that kind of stand out. But
0: there was a couple of teams when I when I put those numbers together, notably the Splash Brothers team. Where the top two players had the same points average across the playoffs.
1: And they, right? I mean,
0: yeah. And I mean, that's not the only one. I, like I said, I did 10 years worth of teams. And but if, that was the big difference that I saw is that the teams that have won championships have two players that score within a few points average of each other during the playoffs. And Houston, for that same period of time that Harden has been there, that gap has been exponentially larger
1: and i guess i sit there and look at that as like why is that a critique of his game because like i and i don't mean and i I like to finish because i I think that probably ruffles some feathers but if i look at like so chris paul gets hurt in 2018 and that sucks right that sucks 2019 chris paul is hurt throughout the year but healthy by playoff time supposedly he's telling him to play so we're going to call him playing right and like He shot abysmally in the second round against the Warriors. Like, his shooting percentage against the Warriors, like, he got shots. They just didn't go in. And then you look at Russ this past fall. Uh, I say fall for the playoffs, which is is weird. But this past fall, Russ, like, played through a hurt quad because he missed part of the Oklahoma City series in the series before with that hurt quad. He's playing through a hurt quad that they were going to try and sit in the whole first round and they couldn't. And he's airballing shots at the end of games against the Lakers. Like, is that he's getting shots? They're just he's airballing them. And then yeah. I go to like 2017 Houston, and like there is no other All Star. And I go to 2016 Houston, and like Dwight Howard gets shut down by a guy named Draymond Green at 24 years old. Like we a Draymond Green shot on Dwight Howard. Like like that's that's not good on Dwight either. I guess I look at it as when I, and the reason I want to talk about the athletic all on the roster is people are like well Austin Rivers is upset about his touches and Daniel House is upset about stuff. Like Austin Rivers' dad cut him. That's how bad Austin. Like, like that's we're talking about a guy that's dad cut him saying, I want the ball more. Like, that's what we're talking about here. And then Daniel House was in Houston's G League and got called up. He's a G-League guy that got called up and done another self-discipline to keep away from the honeys and the bubble. Like, like there's all kinds of problems with him. So we're gonna let we're gonna let he wants the ball more, so we just need we just need to go with he he should get the ball more. Like, I think Mori does a great job of working within the margins. And he got very clearly told, like, stay under the luxury tax. Here's these two contracts, to make up 80 million. You got 60 more to make a whole roster. He did something with it. But like at some point, they're relying on guys like those Austin Riverses and the Daniel Houses and like 36-year-old PJ Tucker. Like I love PJ Tucker. I got his Texas jersey number two hanging in my closet right now. I love PJ Tucker. He's 36. That at some point you can't rely on that anymore. You know it he gets four shots a game from the corner. He makes two or three of them. Like he's not going to create his own shot. He's going to hustle hard on defense and he's going to shoot his four shots in the corner a game. Like I don't think that's a fair comp because I don't see them having like, yeah, two of those champions you looked at had Steph and KD. One of them had uh, Steph and Clay. Another one had LeBron and Kyrie. Two had LeBron and Wade. Like, yeah, those guys had a lot of synergy and were sharing the ball a lot. But they also were Hall of Fame players. <laughs> like, I, I, They had great rosters. That's not. I don't think that I like Houston. They're my team. That's where I was born, right? But I don't know that they have a great roster if they're re- relying on Austin Rivers and Daniel House.
3: I mean, I get that because, yeah, no, Austin Rivers no like even in 2k you can't make a shot with him like it's like bad anytime because I I play Denver a lot on 2k but my boyfriend likes to play different teams and he's been trying to redeem Houston the way you phrase
0: that makes trying to redeem Houston like that's a perfect turn of phrase
3: it was like Well, because, like, one, neither of us play with OKC on 2K because it's just not good. Like, they are not fun to play with because it's just not, no. Uh, I love my team, don't get me wrong, but, like, 2K20 playing with, like, Chris Paul instead of, like, Russell Westbrook is so odd, and I can't do it. So um, that's why he started playing with Russell on Houston. But then, like, Denver, even though the entire starting lineup of Denver is lower, like, I win most of the time. And so he always tries to redeem, but then, you know, like sometimes 2K will do like random sub outs and stuff because we just usually go past like everything because we just want to keep playing. And then like, he'll be like, no, why is Austin Rivers the one? (laughs) Because there's no way I'm going to be able to beat you if Austin Rivers is the one that's always open, always like at the three point. It's just, it's so funny because that's that's literally any time that he goes to set up for a shot, uh, in a game, I'm like, Austin, don't do it. Like, just pass it. Like, just pass it I, off. Like
1: <laughs> Y'all are talking about, like, does Houston blow it up? Does Houston do this? Do Houston do that? Okay, like, say Houston said everyone but Harden is on the table. How many people are calling for all their pieces? Like, like, like generally, like, who's calling for, I mean, maybe Covington? Because he's kind of unique. Like, like on a, there aren't there aren't a lot of pieces folks are, like, calling, like clamoring. Oh, I would love to have... 34 year old Eric Gordon. Anyway, I I love Houston. That's my squad. And frankly, if they blow it up, they'll still be my squad. I sat through and watched the Kevin Martin Rockets. Like I saw that experiment happen. I, I can watch whatever comes next. Um, I just you get no sympathy
2: for me right now. I hope you know that. <laughs> no, I mean I do not feel any sympathy. Okay, so once again, we're gonna hop back onto the Drew Holiday saga. So, <laughs> we all love him. Parker, are you a Drew Holiday fan? Because we are all fans of him here.
1: You sent me the list of questions, and, like, seeing his name is what made me think of, like, there's no one on Houston outside of Harden and maybe Russ that carries the same kind of trade value as Drew Holiday. Like, lots of teams get better if they add Drew Holiday to their team, right? Um, and so, I, I like him a lot. He also, again, as the Houston homer in the room, he drives Harden crazy on defense. He's one, like, every, like, good teams tend to have, like, a guy, like, Minnesota had it with a Kogi for a while ago. like a guy that like just matches up well and guards him well. Drew Holiday's that kind of guy.
3: But what about Dort during that, you know? Same kind series? of guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Same. I'm no, just I'm saying. Sorry. Yeah.
3: Our undrafted yeah. guy. We gotta, you know, shout out him. Uh,
1: until I got a shout block to the end there. But what I will say is that Dort's the same kind of guy. You're tall, long. You're like you're like six five, six six long and like also like barrel chested strong like yeah, that's yeah. like those kind of things pair up for guarding Harden well for whatever reason because you can like stay in front of him and be thick but not like reach and foul like he wants you to and do those Which kind is, of things right
3: yeah but listen as much as i give Harden a bunch of crap i will say he is a mastermind for getting those fouls because if Stop everyone it, yeah. could do it they would
1: yeah, free throws are free. Like you do you want all the free throws you can. <laughs> like,
3: right. Especially when you're as good a, a shooter as he is. You know what though?
0: Like that does not make for entertaining basketball to me. Like I don't put on but, basketball to watch a guy shoot a bunch of free throws.
2: <laughs> oh but, you sound like my parents Jade
0: I'm okay with that. Your parents are cool people.
1: <laughs> we all fell in love with basketball when the games were eighty two to seventy nine at the end of the game. Like that like in 0-2, you can go watch back and watch playoff games when that's the case. Like that's not that wasn't entertain it's just as low scoring. That's not entertaining either.
0: No, that was hella entertaining because I will always be more entertained by a point that had to be scored over a real defense than what we watch now.
2: Drew Holiday with it. So <laughs> one of the biggest front runners for him, or at least rumor wise, has been Boston. Boston has been will has been saying they're willing to give up all three, some of their first-round picks, but the biggest one is a straight-up trade with Kemba Walker and Drew Holiday, and then Boston throws in one extra pick or something. Jay, do you think that's a solid trade?
0: I, it is if you're Boston. I don't know why you would you would do it on. No, you know what? Kemba might be a good fit for the Pelicans with the young guys and what they're trying to build. Like I think. Now that I'm actually really thinking about it and not just having like a gut reaction, I think Kemba might be good for the Pelicans because I don't know that Kemba is the guy that's gonna get you deep into the playoffs. But I think he's probably a good fit for the guys that they have developing in New Orleans for like the next however long he's got left on his contract. I think he's um, he's pretty charismatic. He's likable. Uh, he understands the game. So, yeah, I think I think that worked out well. And, and if you're Boston, what Drew Holiday brings to the table makes me, as a Toronto fan, scared of Boston now. I wasn't scared of them last season. And even though they beat Toronto, I still don't rate them as they're currently set up. Because the Raptors played garbage ball and still forced them to seven games. So... Um, but they added Drew Holiday, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm now I'm worried about Boston.
2: Shay, I'll ask you to this is what Bill if Boston is willing to give up? Is that worth it?
3: Oh, completely, completely. I would prefer him over Kimba. I, you know, I watched some of the the Raptors, Celtics, and I mean, I like watching the Raptors. I think they're so much more fun. But I was actually really impressed with certain aspects of the Celtics, except for Kimba. Like, Kimba just, like, underwhelmed me. So you add in uh, Drew Holiday instead, I think that that team would just be a lot more solid and a lot more of a threat. And despite that side of the NBA obviously being a little bit less packed, they could really be a big contender for domination, which is, I think the difference between the East and the West is that if one team really gets that chemistry together, they can dominate versus like the other side, which is so packed of just like teams going back and forth, back and forth. So uh, I don't know. I think that that would be a solid trade. I mean, I have my doubts about new Orleans just in general, because I think they're trying to do something that is similar to what we've talked about where they're, they're kind of building around one player, uh, but Zion has his own issues that I feel like people are just kind of ignoring and we, they really should be addressed. I mean, he has some like health issues. Uh, he has, he's also young. So, you know, building around a young player is always going to be a bit of a risk, and so maybe Kemba could come in as someone who is a little bit more experienced, and maybe it would be a good fit. But, I mean, anything that happens in New Orleans right now is kind of 50-50 for me.
0: Side note on New Orleans, I just read that Zion is le- relearning how to run during the offseason.
3: So as to mean. protect his joints. That's what I mean. I'm like... Listen, like, I know he has built a different way, but we also have to put that into perspective, just his longevity as a player, because college ball, high school ball versus college ball versus NBA is so different on a player. And, and just all of, like you said, their joints, I mean, just something that simple. And so if you're going to build around a player that is relearning how to run in order not to, to crash his entire body before the age of 30, I just worry for his sake.
0: Screw 30. Before before 25. Like, I mean, he's a 19-year-old that's had to have knee surgery already. Like, that is always a huge red flag for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I will say, as someone who is also not quite 30 yet, I tried running over the summer, like, consistently, and my body also felt wrecked. So maybe someone should give me a big NBA contract. But Yeah. What- <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm only six foot tall, but I'm otherwise shaped very much like Zion. Like, got a little bit extra belly, a little bit more extra in the rear. Uh, no, but I, I think that <laughs> Zion's big thing is, like, it's all the potential. Because, like, yeah, he's got to work on running. Yes, he needs to cut some weight to be able to, like, play for into his 30s and so on. But he's also, like, in every sense of the, word, the phrase, a 19-year-old kid, right? Like. Yeah. At 19, it's so close to a blank canvas, except with like, things like his explosion and his, like, just quick reaction on backside to come across with a block. And, like, like, it's all so crazy. Like, I kind of get the gambling on the 19-year-old kid when, like, that's the upside. Because in the NBA, you can't even pay the 19-year-old a lot till they're 22 anyway. So it's not like a big financial hit, you know? That's
2: true. No. That's true. Well— We got the Drew Holiday discussion out that we have always had for about the past four and a half months.
1: Oh, (laughs) I have a question, though. Do you guys think, so Drew Holiday is a very specific type of player, and, like, I think the defense with Drew and Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown is tremendous, right? Like, that defense would be incredible. Does that... Can they guard Bam or Giannis?
0: No. No. Right?
1: Like, like... It looked like to me, like, that's really what, like, they get better. And I get Jade saying, as a Raptors fan, you're scared all of a sudden. But, like, do they get enough better? I think Bam's (laughs) going to run the East for a while. And I think Giannis is going to continue to run the East for a while. And, like, I, as much as I love Drew and think that that defense is tremendous, they still need a big defender. Like, Marcus Smart is not a big defender. Mm -hmm. He's not
0: big enough. Speaking
1: of size, I just checked this up now.
2: With, because we're just getting with this Boston thing. Gordon Hayward right now, so we all know they're shopping him. There has been a rumor of him being traded to Indiana for Miles Turner, one of the better shot blockers in the oh. league. Jade, is that a player that can take Boston up a little bit more? That's
0: really interesting. Yeah, that would be a problem. I, I would not be very happy if that happened. I'm just that's all I'm gonna say about it. As a Toronto fan, I would not be happy if that trade goes through.
2: <laughs> Demar Derozan, not a happy camper there. Lakers have been rumored to them because they need a third star, and the offer would re- would surround sending Kuzma and Danny Green to San Antonio with some picks. Jade, since you know about the DeRozan factor from him being on your Raptors, would he be able to fit as a third banana for that team?
3: Third banana.
0: So here's my concern when you say you're, you're swapping Danny Green from the starting lineup for DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is and always has been a defensive liability as a starter. He cannot match up against his position ever. And even when Danny Green has his cold parts where he's not shooting well, at least he plays defense. He plays it well. He knows his coverages. He's, you know, he's one of those guys that you're you're never going to worry on that end of the ball. Um, I mean, I, I, I joked I wasn't very nice. I'm not going to lie about Danny Green because it was like it seems like the last couple of seasons playoffs and Danny Green's shot goes on vacation early. So, like, you know you know it must be playoff time when Danny Green can't shoot again all of a sudden. But his defense is always there. You've got DeMar DeRozan. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't play defense. If, if really all they want out of him is mid-range points, great. Go for it. But I think the way that the Lakers play defense, I don't think DeMar DeRozan is a good fit. As much as
2: I love DeRozan, I feel like he's a glorified Andrew Wiggins.
0: Yeah, they both definitely have that inability to lock in mentally. For sure. 100%. Like, I... uh, uh, Jamar DeRozan is one of the Raptors that puts me at odds with the rest of my fan base. Because I cheered when I found out he was gone. I was ready to be done with them like, three seasons sooner than he got traded. Because I cannot... (laughs) a guy that doesn't play defense and I was I was over it and like for Toronto fans even now they're like oh let him come back I'm like god no do not bring him back
1: (laughs) you also got Kawhi Leonard in the deal like there's two reasons to cheer there (laughs)
0: right no but uh, like I said three seasons before I was ready to be done with him. I didn't care who we were getting. I wanted him gone before Kawhi was even available. It definitely helps, but it was not the reason that I was, like, I'm done. I was done with Damar way before it actually happened. And to me, like, Damar's legacy in Toronto has been saved because he got traded. Because he was never going to get us where we needed to go. And eventually he would have been that guy that we paid too much for too long and never got it done, and the relationship would have soured.
1: I especially think there's an interesting thing to be written there as a Raptors fan, Jade, about, like, he becomes an extra big martyr when Kawhi leaves, too. Because it was like, right. then you shift him out for the one year with Kawhi, you took the gamble and it worked off, and then Kawhi's gone, too. But, like, look at what we got when we martyred Demar right. Rosen.
0: Exactly. And then you forget about the fact that now you've got this story that everyone's focused on and you forget right. the fact that DeMar was never that guy. He that the was rest, of, that the guy. rest of the
1: league, the rest of the league called it Lebronto because of what LeBron James did to DeMar DeRose. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how that
0: and works. I had this conversation with another Raptors fan and he's like one of these dudes that like has a really hard time understanding that I might know more about basketball than him because I spend all day every day on it. But I'm a girl, so I'm not supposed to know more than him. It's one of those situations. I was talking about him. He's like, DeMar only looked so bad on defense because of LeBron. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Come on. Like, DeMar couldn't guard anybody. DeMar couldn't match up on whoever he was on on the freaking Charlotte Hornets. Do not tell me that he looked bad because of LeBron James. No. No, sir.
1: Shay's a free agent fan these days. Would you take DeMar DeRozan? Because she's really no. bashing him right now.
3: No, I would take him. <laughs> not my type. <laughs> no. Listen, I like drama, but not that kind. And not on my team, I should say.
2: So Shay, what's San Antonio's plan after that? Do they search suitors for Aldridge? Or do they try to find someone to take over for DeRozan?
3: Like, what would you do? I mean, what is their team's plan? Is Popovich staying? Like, what is going on with San Antonio? I, I feel like I haven't h- really heard anything until this. Um, when we're hearing about, like, almost every team, uh, other than, like, San Antonio, maybe we've heard the Magic mentioned a couple of times. But, I mean, I guess that's not a lot of rumors. Um so I, I guess my question is just, like, what does their future look like? Because if you are going to be replacing someone like Popovich soon, like, do you build a team that that is on the same – I don't know. that. I don't know if I know enough about San Antonio, just because if I pay attention to a Texas team, it's usually Houston or Dallas. I can, kind of forget that the Spurs are. There too. The
2: most successful team out of the three of them And you're like no, yeah. Nobody
0: talks about the See, thing When is- I think about San Antonio I think there are times That it strategically makes sense To blow up a team And San Antonio is there Yeah they 22 consecutive playoff seasons Up until last season Pop's not If he stays this season Next season Like it's it's time. It's the perfect time. And this is a no-brainer. If I if I am a San Antonio executive, it makes sense to blow up right now. You've got powerhouse teams that are only getting better in the West, and you don't have the pieces to compete right now. So blow it up.
1: I don't mean to to spill Taylor's later question early, but especially if you have a team <laughs> offering a top three pick for Lamarcus Aldridge, then you really you take the top pick. You didn't have yep. to tank for the top pick. You take a top two pick, you swap out Lamarcus Marcus Aldridge, you take in, Kuzma's not as young as people think, but he's not old. You take in Danny Green, who, like, people in San Antonio love from his first in San Antonio. You you do all those trades, because you might have, like, you, I don't know how long Pop's got left. I maintain that if Pop didn't retire when Timmy retired, he's doing this because he wants to at this point, not because, like, he's in, aiming to, like... Won a bunch of championships and pass Phil or whatever right because oh
0: so he's the old guy that won't retire
1: oh
0: is that
3: well, what I, we're I, saying
1: I, well maybe but what I really think more so <laughs> and the
0: organization's the organization's not going to fire him because he's pop no, he's not, right right
3: why would you not,
1: get rid yes. of him the, but I see it more like if he wasn't going to retire when Timmy quit why would he retire because they missed the playoffs once like like when, when Timmy retired like Timmy's the top seven rate player of all time right like If he's going to sit here and not retire when Tammy retires, he's clearly doing this because he enjoys doing it on a daily basis. And he talked all the time about how, like, not serious basketball is in the grand scheme of things and how he, like, enjoys this great escape of a job, right? And so I I think that that's important to him. And if you were to blow it up, like, you got a Hall of Fame, one of the best five coaches of all time. Let that guy work with your young guy. Like, if you go get the second pick and get Wiseman, like, you know, Pop did pretty well with Robinson and Duncan. Like, let him teach Wiseman something. You know, like, again, I think that there's there's merit there. I have no idea when he's calling it quits, though. But I think on the roster side of things, it's absolutely time to... If you've got people offering you a top three pick and you miss the playoffs, why why aren't you? Like, your roster's clearly not going to pick the playoffs, so what are you going to do with it?
2: Right, so that actually then kind of segues into my next question for Parker, is this the
1: end of the Popovich dynasty? So the word dynasty when you sent that question out was what got me cuz I was like I considered the end of the dynasty again back when Timmy quit right and so if if your top 8 player of all time hangs it up it's it's hard to it's hard to come back from that right It's the same way that like when LeBron left Cleveland they had a top 3 pick or a number 1 pick 3 out of 4 years right like like that's the old. best right that but that's the that's the thing though right it's like watching a top whatever player of all time walk probably ends the dynasty anyway that they made the playoffs in that scope of years is really a testament to them if pop stayed last year i don't know and he has not indicated he's not coming back this this next year i don't know when you can like gauge that he'll not come back because Mm -hmm. if he were gonna leave because they weren't good he'd have left he'd be like he'd, he'd be gone gone right and so he's doing it as he wants to and I don't think I think he's earned every right to quit on his terms so I don't think you can fire him like Jade said like like I,
2: I
0: 100% would fire him if I was an executive with the Spurs
3: I mean 100% that
2: would be a ballsy move that would no, be even if you, you, lose, you, lose, you lose the your entire city and you got, that would yeah. still be a black mark the
0: thing I is, would be okay with that Leaders gotta, make hard decisions that's 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 the job
3: I think you, that oh sorry sorry I'm just I don't want to forget this, and you know, English goes out of my head. So,
1: <laughs> no, you talk. So I'm trying to process the idea that Jay just fired a top three coach of all
3: time. <laughs> like, even <laughs> hypothetically. Um, so, what I would do being I'm a very big planner, like, I like to plan ahead. Um, um, this is what you, what you do you blow up the team, right? You keep Pop, and he's technically the head coach, but whoever you want to replace him, like, keep that guy close. And that Don't way, know. whatever Pop's, like, idea is kind of goes forward with this new set of people. And even if he retires, say, uh, midseason to the end, you know, after f- next season, um, then you have yeah. a guy that, like, worked with Popovich directly who now can take over the team.
0: That hypothetical guy's name is Tim Duncan. He actually
2: just said he won't be there uh, this year.
1: I, here's my hot take. Who the did? Hypothetical- the high, Tim,
2: Tim Duncan, Duncan himself said that
1: the he's authority. not going to be
2: in San Antonio. He's, he's going not, to be a line. like a player consultant thing. He'll be yeah. there for practices and stuff. But oh, be not
3: okay, I then guess. it's
0: Becky.
1: It's not be Becky then. <laughs> then. Sorry. My hot take is that it's not <laughs> a guy sitting next to Popovich. It's the woman sitting next to Popovich.
3: Okay, and no, no, you're right. You're right.
1: My my other thing I'll say too though is that like if if Jade's gonna fire Pop. as Jade's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to, like, miss the playoffs two years in a row. Say you miss playoffs two years in a row after you fire Pop, and your coach has a losing record over the course of those two years. That town, living in Texas, will write. <laughs> like you, you gotta be real right if you fire Pop because he is a top three coach of all time. Like you, you need. That's Isaac, true.
0: See, I'm coming at this from a Canadian standpoint. I don't understand all the craziness that comes along with the population. <laughs> the the American
1: crazy. riot scene and the American riot scene is just oh lost gosh. on Jade.
0: That's a very foreign concept to me. So that is definitely something I did not take into consideration. We gotta talk about the draft
2: because that, I guess, is a thing. Despite literally no one really that impressive coming out of the draft. It's a lot of sleepers. So my beloved Wolves have the first pick. And of course, it's on one of the weakest drafts in the past 10 years. So Timberwolves luck, even in the draft. But their pick and what they're going to do that has been leaked out in every situation is, we're going to trade it, we're going to keep it, we're going to draft LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, It feels like after every single rumor comes out, Gerson Rosas, our president, takes out like a smoke bomb, throws it down, and runs away from the idea. So, like, no one has a set idea. Like, my entire fan base, Timberwolves fan base, we have absolutely zero clue what's going on. Timberwolves beat writers don't have a clue. So
0: i'm gonna jump in on this one first because i think i can relate to you probably the best what would you do yeah with? so i'm i'm gonna talk to you as fan to fan first because that's what life is like with messiah Jury in your front office we have no idea what the hell is going on like i don't even listen to the rumors messiah gonna do what messiah is gonna do he plays things extremely close to the chest would say that's what i would say to you directly is just like chillax and enjoy the ride in terms of what i would do if i was in his position you guys are are set up right now that you could be pretty decent and it's, it's two to three seasons from now i would say unless things really come together quickly and and i would say in his position if you've got a pick um how's your developmental program in in Minnesota?
2: We actually have a pretty solid G League team. Um Ryan Saunders has past history also coaching the G League. He is a very good player developmental coach.
0: So I think we're kind of coming to why there are so so much speculation because you guys are kind of at like a multiple crossroads. You have all kinds of options. You can stand pat, you can trade the pick, you can probably draft somebody and do something with them if your development is good. Like there, there's a lot to weigh out, and that's probably why you have no idea what's going on because it's a shortened off season, first of all. So a lot more options have to be weighed a lot more quickly. And I think that means that there's going to be less opportunity for any real kind of idea of what might happen to come out. You're just going to have one idea after the next, after the next, after the next, until somebody pulls the trigger.
3: Well, also, the Wolves are one of the teams that weren't in the bubble. So do you guys even remember right. what it's like to play together?
0: <laughs> it's been <laughs> over
2: 250 days since we last played.
3: Totally. God. Uh,
2: Parker, Rosas comes from the Houston organization. He was under
1: Maury. What would you do if you were a Rosas in this situation? Maury refused refused to trade trade a star for less than a star. He would give you half of his roster for yours. Maury was never going to swap a star for anything less than a star. So like you watch the Chris Paul trade, they gave out half their roster. Beverly, Trez, Lou Williams, Sam Decker. Take them all. Give us Chris Paul. We got a star. We'll figure it out after that. With that said, if you value this draft as a star, I don't think a Mori Disciple would swap that pick out. The interesting thing comes into, like Taylor started off the whole section with, is anyone in this draft a star or is a draft that's like flush with role players? Because then do you swap the number one pick for like, so, you know, the number one pick to trade back and get a known role player commodity. Do you swap it back and like take a star on the pit or pick or whatever? I think it'd be interesting to see them because D'Lo and Cat are both in their mid 20s and they seem to like the Kentucky guys. If do you trade back and like get Kelly Ubre and a later first round pick and like pull in an Ubre who's also in his mid 20s? I'm high on Ubre, so maybe that's. I just am me. too. Oh God. Um, but like, best. and then you get like, you don't get a Wiseman or a LaMelo cause you get a mid first round pick. Cause Phoenix was like the top team that didn't make the playoffs, right? They went eight and in the bubble. So I don't know where their pick falls, but I assume it's mid first round. So you get a mid first round pick and an Oubre when you don't get the shot of LaMelo. I think I would value someone on the same, if I believed Kat and D'Lo were stars and I, we're not having that argument now, but if, if I'm in my hat where I believe those are my two guys I'm hanging my hat on, um. I would assume I want guys also in their mid 20s that are on the same trajectory because the mid 20 thing is like we kind of know what your role could be. We know if you're going to be an all pro or if you're going to be a three and D wing or if you're going to be like there's no like guesstimating potential there. And you're also like going to develop more afterwards. So you're not the 30 year old that's getting worse, but you're not the 19 year old that we don't know where you are yet. But unless you think a guy's a star, I imagine they move it around. Maury likes stars, and so I'm assuming his disciples also like stars. It's, it's about stars, not role players for those guys. Last one, Shay, I'm going to ask you.
3: Me? What would
2: you do if you were a recess?
3: I don't know. I don't know if I know enough about your team to, like, make a comment. I'm not going to lie. I have been looking at the draft, like, people. And, well, one, you have uh, Wiseman who's like, I don't want to go to Minnesota. What the Wolves need is so specific that getting it from, like, a rookie draft is just, like, not it. Doing what's best for what is necessary for the Timberwolves is, like, what they need to do rather than just kind of make something work because they got that first pick.
2: We got the hot takes from everyone today. Parker, we could hear your side of the story with Houston. I can finally hear some takes from you guys with my beloved, bottom-feeding Timberwolves. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So, right before we get to the Fast Break, Fast Break today is presented by PropMe. PropMe is a social wagering platform catered to the everyday sports fan. It has peer-to-peer betting marketplace for social wagering. It's an all-sports betting platform, including eSports, a company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe Me on the Google Play Store or Apple App Store today. Sign up and join the movement. Okay, so it is fast break time, the time of the show where I ask three questions for everyone that they have no knowledge of and I just want their knee-jerk reaction with it. So Parker, since you are our guest today, and since this is a Houston one, I'll start with you first. Which player in Houston of the Dwight Howard, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, did you wish worked out?
1: Chris Paul, just because he he really almost did. I maintain that the 2018 Houston Rockets, healthy, wins the whole thing. Um, they had their had all the wins. They had all the everything going in their way. Chris Paul had a good yin and yang, went healthy. That 2018 peak, man. I mean, again, they were. 55-7. and seven. They were up 3-2 on the Warriors and, like, the best version of the Healthy Warriors, like that. Like, again, that's a really, really good team. And it was really, really fun to watch, like, Chris Paul shimmy in Steph Curry's face. And now, I'll throw it over to you, Jade.
0: Dude, I don't know. I am 100% indifferent about this question. <laughs> <laughs> the okay. Truth.
2: okay, what's the timestamp for this guy? Hold <laughs> up.
3: Yeah, take notes on this one.
0: (laughs) Seriously, I spent the entire time Parker was talking about it trying to care. (laughs) And I don't. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I'll say Russell Westbrook just because I like him as a dude. That's all I got. Got it.
2: Okay. (laughs) And this might be an obvious answer, but Shay, how about
3: you? I was going to say Chris Paul because that would mean that maybe – I don't know, in a good world, Russ would have stayed with my team forever, and we could have loved him forever, and we could have seen him and, you know, Steven Adams do their thing forever, and yeah, I'm really sad.
2: That was not what I was expecting, but okay. Jade, of the players that we talked today, so Drew Holiday, Gordon Hayward, uh, DeMar DeRozan, what of those players do you think is going to be traded first?
0: Ooh, crap. I don't know. It's hard when they all want out, right? Like when it's like, oh, there's trade rumors from the team. That's one thing. But when you know they've asked to be moved and it's like an active search to figure out where they're going to end up, that changes things a lot. I'm going to say DeMarta Rosen, just because I think Of all the players, he probably is the most disgruntled with his situation because he didn't want to be there in the first place. Like, he thought he was going to play his entire career in Toronto. So I think in terms of who needs to move the most, in terms of who might cause the most problems if you don't get them moved, it would be him.
2: Parker, who is most likely gone? Oh,
1: I mean, I think Danny Ainge moves pretty quickly in Boston, and we're talking about Drew Holiday getting there.
2: So then, Shay, which player that we talked about today is most likely gone first?
3: Well, you know, I was actually thinking uh, that Drew Holiday trade as well, but I'm also wondering if this current Houston news is going to push something to happen there, just because it is so hot right now that the media pressure From it could make something happen sooner than later. Um, But I could also see um, Gordon Hayward because I still don't quite understand why he wants out in the last year of his contract. Um, So he could be. I mean, but like, just play one more year. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, like, just do it. But like, he seems to be really wanting that to happen. So maybe he's putting a lot of pressure. So that might happen too. I mean, I've been trying to see if there's any more information about that lately and I don't know but so those are going to be my two.
2: Last question we'll start off with you Jade. I'm going to do a comparison in two teams and you're going to tell me who wins in a seven game series. So this is all players in their prime. The Two teams are the 2019 Warriors and the 2018 Cavs. The Warriors had Curry, Clay, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and DeMarcus Cousins. And remember, all in prime. And then the Cavaliers, the 2018 Cavs, was Derrick Rose, Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Kevin Love. Warriors. You got the Warriors with that? Yeah. Parker, how about you?
1: I also say Warriors. um, I think the unfortunate thing there is with how well Boogie was playing before that Achilles tear, we might not have really seen what that had turned into. But I was really high on Boogie before that Achilles tear. Um, and so I I think that's a troublesome matchup for the Cavs that would probably go under the radar mm-hmm.
2: there. Shea, it is your turn with it. Prime squad for the Cavs or prime squad of the Warriors? Seven game series.
3: So my my first instinct is to say Warriors, but then this also brings in another question of Are we seeing Prime LeBron now or like what is Prime LeBron?
2: We'll say since this was the 2018, we'll just do 2018 LeBron. Okay. So his last year with the Cavs. That
3: was. I'm still going to say Warriors, a more efficient team.
2: Today was really fun. Parker, once again, thank you for joining us today. It was great to hear your takes from your Houston team to breaking down my Timberwolves stuff. It's been great. See you guys next week where we will have a lot of this stuff we've been questioning answered on that. our folks.